American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate us and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're talking about Father Gabriel Richard, the priest who founded the University of Michigan, wrote the motto of the city of Detroit, represented the Michigan Territory in Congress, organized the first real Catholic school system in the country, fought against trusteeism, and was just an all-around amazing priest for many, many years. Some people just don't seem to sleep. Thank God for people like them. Something else about Richard that is common to a number of other early American Catholics is that he only came to the U.S. because of the French Revolution. Yes, like the incredible John Dubois, whom we spoke about in episode 39. Richard and his Sulpician brothers fled France lest they lose their heads. So thank you, Robespierre. Well, let's just say God brought good on this continent out of the evil on that continent. Well, he's good like that. True. Okay, so let's start with Richard's early life in France. Gabriel Richard was born in France in 1767, and little is known about his early life. We know he went to seminary in Angers, and in his final year, his professor of dogma was the Dominican Benedict Joseph Flaget. Many years later, Flaget would be Father Richard's shepherd as Bishop of Bardstown, but more on that later. At the end of his studies, Richard entered the Sulpicians in 1790 and was ordained in 1791. And this is when the French Revolution kicked into high gear and Madame Guillotine got hungry. Religious orders were being suppressed, churches and church properties confiscated, and bishops, priests, and religious who refused to renounce the Pope were executed. So the Sulpicians saw the writing on the wall. At a general meeting, they decided to flee France for the U.S. Initially, five Sulpicians were sent to America to establish a seminary to train priests for the new Diocese of Baltimore. That seminary would also serve as sort of an outpost for the order to weather the storm in France. Father Richard was part of the third wave sent over, arriving on June 24, 1792. Later that year, since they were not needed to teach at the seminary, Father Richard and another Sulpician, Father Levadou, were sent to southwestern Illinois with Kaskaskia as their home base. Kaskaskia keeps coming up. We talked about it, for example, in episode 37. Well, it was one of the largest and most significant settlements on the Mississippi River at the time, and it was settled by French-Canadian Catholics. So, yeah, it looms large in early Catholic history on this continent. And it's just fun to say. Yeah, Kaskaskia. Kaskaskia. If slap yourself to stop going the Kas. Anyway. <laughs> but Richard only stayed a few years in Kaskaskia. Right, Kaskaskia. In 1796, the British finally ceded their final forts in the northwest part of the new United States, including Fort Detroit. This meant that the parish in Detroit, St. Anne de Detroit, changed ecclesiastical hands from Quebec to Baltimore. The priest who had been pastor was recalled to Quebec, and Baltimore's bishop, John Carroll, assigned Father Levadou to take up that charge. This left Father Richard alone in Illinois, Kaskaskia, Illinois, for a couple of years. But his time in Illinois, as you just said, would not last long. Father Lavadou was on his own in Detroit, which was the largest city west of the Appalachians at that time. He 
He was older and his age and health prevented him from being the pastor he believed Detroit needed. He requested to be relieved and Bishop Carroll agreed, assigning Father Richard to come and help and to eventually take his place. So in 1798, 31-year-old Father Richard with a new assistant priest, Father John DeLay, to help him reported to Detroit to take up the post there. Father Lavadou would stay on for another two more years to help Father Richard turning over the pastorship and role of vicar general in 1800. Now, a quick note about Detroit. First, it's not Kaskaskia. As we said, it was the largest city west of the Appalachians with a population of about 2,000. It was a fortified town with a stockade wall, and it was only about two acres in size. It had been founded as a fur trading outpost in 1701 by a French Catholic named Antoine de la Motte Cadillac. He had arrived with artisans, soldiers, and two priests, and the first thing built after the walls was a Catholic church. Since the church was completed on July 26th, the Feast of St. Anne, the Mother of Mary, it was named in her honor. This makes it one of the oldest Catholic churches in the U.S., and today it boasts being the second oldest continuously operating parish in the country after only the parish of St. Augustine in St. Augustine, Florida. So by the time Father Richard arrived at St. Anne, the parish was already nearly a century old and was on its fourth church structure. This was not common in the United States since the majority of the new nation had been very Protestant and anti-Catholic during its colonial era. So parishes were young and the buildings fairly recent. But Detroit had been founded by French Catholics, so there was a base and a history already there. But having a Catholic founding doesn't mean it had a strong and vibrant Catholic presence. No, Detroit was not a model of Catholic society. Riotous living, poor attention to the sacraments, and a very low level of catechesis. And this is why Father Levado requested backup. Shortly after coming to Detroit, Father Richard made a tour of his parish, which actually included the entirety of present-day Michigan and some of Wisconsin. He boarded a boat and headed north, hitting Saginaw Bay, Mackinac, Sault Ste. Marie, and over to Georgian Bay. He spent time baptizing and catechizing, meeting with fur traders and their families, as well as Indian tribes who had had some members baptized many years earlier by French Jesuits, but who hadn't maintained the faith all that well. He finally returned to Detroit to focus on his home base. And the impact of his work didn't take long to manifest itself. In 1801, he welcomed Bishop Deneau of Quebec to do confirmations, 521 of them. Remember, Detroit was only 2,000 people, so this is more than a quarter of the people there being confirmed. He had spent six months preparing this group for confirmation, and it was people from 13 years old to 80 years old. The sacrament was administered over four days. And this represented a tremendous effort of religious education, preparing all of those people to receive the sacrament being sure that they were properly disposed and catechized about what it really meant. Truly remarkable. There it was. He believed firmly that education, and not just religious education, was of the utmost importance. He saw the future growth of the West and knew that if the church were to grow with it and have the impact that it needed to, the people would need to be educated in good Catholic schools. So in these first years of the new century, he set about formalizing schooling. First, he opened a school for young children. Next was a sort of seminary preparatory school for young men, where they were taught Latin, geography, church history, sacred music, and the practice of mental prayer. Next, he endeavored to establish a school for young women. But 
This was before women's religious orders had really begun spreading throughout the U.S., so he had to find female teachers on his own. He identified capable ladies from some of the leading families of Detroit, and he and Father DeLay trained them to be teachers. What he established from scratch, really, was a complete educational system with primary schools and advanced schools well before such a thing was really done. But this success was put on the back burner before long. On June 11th, 1805, while a parish retreat was underway, a fire broke out in the city of Detroit. The city was entirely built of wood frame structures, so any fire that got out of control was a mortal threat to all. When word of the fire reached St. Anne, doom was already in the air. Father DeLay actually went into the church and offered a low mass. Upon completing the mass, he and the server and those present only barely had time to hurry the sacred vessels, the vestments, and other valuables out of the church as the fire began to lick the wooden structure. In about three hours, nearly the entire city burned to the ground. This included the rectory and the church of St. Anne. The devastation was mind-numbing. All that remained were piles of embers with chimneys sticking out. But Father Richard acted quickly. He worked to secure tents and provisions from the surrounding military forts for the many who found themselves homeless. He sent out word to the nearby communities and farms to have food brought to town. It was in the immediate aftermath of the fire, as everyone scrambled to scratch a living, that Father Richard wrote the phrase, Speramus meliora resurget cineribus, which is Latin for, We hope for better things, it will rise from the ashes. That Latin phrase became the motto of the city of Detroit as they rebuilt, and it remains on the city seal to this day. For mass and other religious purposes, Father Richard secured use of an old mansion three miles away in the settlement of Spring Wells. The layout of the first floor was conducive to setting the sanctuary at one end of the first floor, with a series of adjoining rooms serving as a nave. Other rooms in the mansion were outfitted to be the schoolrooms and the education operation resumed. The life of St. Anne continued at the mansion in Spring Wells for 13 years as the city rebuilt, and Father Richard worked to raise the money to build a new church. During that same time, he also rebuilt his education system beyond the mansion and saw schools he had established in surrounding communities continue without fail. Again, this was a system of schools for youth and then advanced schools and academies for older youth and young adults teaching them the trivium and quadrivium, the classics, as well as industrial skills like those they would need to produce and contribute to the development of life in the frontier. But back to 1805, actually just weeks after the June 11 fire which devastated Detroit, effective June 30th of that year, the federal government established the Michigan Territory as a separate political entity. This meant that Michigan Territory would have non-voting delegates to the U.S. House of Representatives in Washington. Father Richard ran for one of those slots, and in so doing, he pledged his salary to the building fund for a new St. Anne Church. He was elected and spent his time in Washington petitioning for aid. At one point, he secured funding to develop Michigan Avenue, a road which would extend across Michigan's lower peninsula to connect Detroit to Chicago. He ran for re-election, but was defeated. 1805 also had a third major event, the departure of his assistant, Father DeLay, and a run-in with trusteeism. The Sulpician Superior in France, it was safe enough there again, had recalled all Sulpicians to France. Father DeLay obeyed, but some rather awful people in the mission community of Côte de Nord-Est 
those who had a financial stake in the land and thus were trustees of the church did not want to be deprived of their pastor. So they drummed up some bogus charges against him and he was compelled to remain so as to defend himself. He wrote to his superior and explained. He wrote to Bishop Carroll and asked to be replaced. He was not replaced. And even once the calumnious charges were shown to be lies, he was never recalled. So he remained and he had no assistant for 17 years. Somehow he didn't seem to need one for that time. There are other remarkable items in father's life that generally overlap. So we'll just discuss them in turn here. In 1807, he was asked to give Sunday lectures to the local non-Catholic population, which included the territorial governor and many other officials. He agreed happily to do this and gave a series of lectures on Christianity, and especially those areas where Catholics and non-Catholic Christians have common ground. In 1808, while in Baltimore, he was given a printing press, which he brought back with him. Under his supervision, the first newspaper west of the Appalachians was published beginning in 1809. It was called the Michigan Essay or Impartial Observer. During the War of 1812, the British took control of Detroit and life got very rough for the citizens. The British and their Indian allies plundered at will. Father Richard denounced the injustices fearlessly. He was among those whom the British required to take an oath of allegiance to the crown, but Father Richard flatly refused. He declared, I have taken one oath to support the Constitution of the United States, and I cannot take another. Do with me as you please. What they did with him was put him in a British prison across the river in Canada. This ended up backfiring when the Indian General Tecumseh threatened to abandon the British if they kept Father Richard in prison. They released him immediately. The British could not afford to lose the support of the Indians. When he returned to Detroit, he immediately went to work relieving the suffering reaching out to the communities who were beyond the war-torn region to find aid. Many noted his untiring work to relieve suffering. Also in 1808, Bargetown was made a diocese encompassing all of the U.S. west of the Appalachians. So that included Detroit. As mentioned at the outset, his old professor, Father Flaget, was made its first bishop. Bishop Flaget came to visit Father Richard and Detroit in 1818 while on his first apostolic visit. While there, he laid the cornerstone for the new St. Anne Church in Detroit. 1818, that's like Kaskaskia. This is the one to replace the church destroyed in the fire of 1805. The lower level of the church was ready for mass in just two years, but the upper church required another eight years. When it was finally completed, it was the tallest building in Detroit. It was splendid, with two towers, a 30-foot diameter dome, and Corinthian columns out front. It was known as the Stone Church. This church would eventually become the first cathedral of the new Diocese of Detroit when it was erected in 1833 and remain the cathedral until 1848. There are many other interesting stories and significant events like when he petitioned the Vatican to allow people in the Rouge River watershed to eat muskrat on Fridays as part of their Friday penance. Just crazy. Anyway, and we had to skip many other fascinating details to keep this episode from getting crazy long, but we will close the episode with just one more major event. As discussed, Father Richard put together a structured education system. He believed in education for all developing ages and education of a very broad sort. Humanities, trades, skills, sciences, all of it. In 1817, the territorial legislature followed his lead by establishing the Catholepistemiad of Michigania. 
This convoluted title basically means the school of Michigan that will be concerned with knowledge of all things. That's my loose translation, and frankly, it's as good as any I saw from anyone else. Father Richard was made the vice president of this new school, and he was given six of the 13 professorships, while the president, a Presbyterian minister who had graduated from Princeton, was given the other seven. This Catholicemiad was seen as the overarching mother school of all education in Michigan, and a network of schools was to be established beneath it for younger ages. It was the first of its kind in the U.S., and eventually it became the University of Michigan. Father Richard poured himself into his many projects for his remaining years until a cholera epidemic hit the city in 1832. He was 64 years old by this time, but his people needed him. One observer wrote that Father would be seen clothed in the robes of his high calling, pale and emaciated, with spectacles on his forehead and prayer book in his hand, going from house to house of his parishioners, encouraging the well and administering spiritual consolation to the sick and dying. Father Richard died, whether of cholera or simple exhaustion, on September 13, 1832. Of his own life's work, Father Richard said, God only knows how many projects great and small of schools and missions that occupy my mind for the savages, the deaf, the dumb, the children of the poor. But the means are lacking in a country where it is necessary, so to speak, to create everything from nothing. My mind, my imagination, and still more, my heart are filled with projects which remain sterile. Considering how many projects he took up and saw to successful conclusions, the good Lord only knows what else this refugee from the French Revolution, who brought about a revolution of learning and religion in Michigan, had in mind. But there may be one more big work in Detroit. On September 20th, 2020, permission was granted by Archbishop Alan Vigoron of Detroit for parishioners at St. Anne to begin the process to seek his canonization. If the people involved have half the energy and drive that Father Richard did, we're hopeful that Father Gabriel Richard will be declared a saint in no time at all. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please help us out by giving us a five-star rating and a good review. And support the work of SQPN. Your support at sqpn.com slash give helps make sure American Catholic history and all of the StarQuest podcasts remain available. To learn more about Father Gabriel Richard, to learn about our upcoming pilgrimage to the Kentucky Holy Land, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on social media at facebook.com slash American Catholic History. Or follow StarQuest on Twitter at SQPN. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest.